Hey everyone, Josh and Dan here for episode one of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast. And today's topic is the one and only Osmosis. Yes. Dan, are you ready for this one? I am. You know how special this album is to both of us. I mean, obviously it's the reason why we picked it to lead the show off with the first episode. It's just the most underrated album, you know, I'm going to say in Ozzy's catalog and maybe in music history. I love it. That's a hard point to argue for me also. Osmosis definitely holds a special place in my heart. It is the first studio release after I became a fan of Ozzy. Uh, when I became a fan was during the retirement period, so I thought I'd never see him or hear new music from him again. So I was definitely pumped for Osmosis when it came out. I know this is a special album for you for that reason alone. I mean, and you can't really beat the albums you fall in love with artists, right? For me, you know, Diary was definitely special to me because that's the album that, that I've discovered him on and i know no more tears is like that for you right you know i'm the elder statesman of the of the crew here but uh you know i, I just can't wait to talk about this album really dive into the details for sure but how's your week been what's been going on in your life oh, not much man not much right <laughs> but, so on top of that you know as you know i moved into a new house last oh, yeah. week i started a new job last week we had to prepare for this podcast. You know, just like you, I'm recording and writing music. It's just been, uh, it has been insane to say the least. So to me, this is a great sidetrack from my daily life just to talk about something that we both love yeah. and br- brought us together. Well, one thing that our listeners probably will not understand, but we can let them know right off the top is Dan and I have a history going way back of chatting on the internet about Ozzy Osbourne. We've been in group chats. We've had, uh, Facebook Messenger going for years and years discussing everything Aussie that you can think about. And finally, we decided to bring it public and do this on a public platform to where other fans can listen to us who have the same interests and the same ideas that we have, you know, battling albums or discussing albums, talking about certain tours, talking about certain musicians, Aussie related, things like that. Absolutely. And it's uh, it's great to bring to everybody the enjoyment, you know, you brought me for the last how many years we've known each other. So it's it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Absolutely. So with that said, today's topic is Osmosis. Osmosis is Ozzy's seventh studio album and was recorded in Paris and New York City with producer Michael Beanhorn. It was released October 23rd, 1995 through Epic Records. The effort peaked at number four on the U.S. Billboard 200 and number 22 on the U.K. album charts. Osmosis has been certified double platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America and has sold over 3 million copies. Wow. Actually, it sold 127,000 copies in its first week alone to put it at number four in the U.S. Absolutely. I mean, it's mind-boggling. Absolutely yeah, amazing. I, I, it charted higher than No More Tears. Matter of fact, it is his highest charting album until uh, Black Rain in 2007, which, I mean, most people don't realize – how epic and huge Ozzy still was in 1995. I mean, I think people try to rewrite history sometimes, but make no mistake about it. Osmosis was a huge impact with that. And then of course the Ozfest to follow right, right on the heels of it. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, 127,000 albums in his first week, charting number four for his highest in his career in the U S. Well, and that said, you know, album sales, especially the first week are often an indicator of one, a strong single, and, of course, Osmosis had a strong single with Perry Mason right out of the block, right? Absolutely. But, two, they're reflective of the previous album. And, of course, No More Tears was massive. Massive. I mean, yeah. absolutely massive. Album, I think. Yeah. And, the, you know, Apple still doesn't have it listed as an essential album by Ozzy, which still blows my mind. But that's beside the point. They only have Blizzard of Oz listed as essential albums for Ozzy Osbourne. I kind of don't so understand sad. that one. Yeah. They don't know. 
osmosis of course uh zach wild back on guitar yeah uh, geezer, geezer on bass yeah yeah but the the surprise for me was always dean castronovo on drums what do you think about yeah. dean yeah i love dean castronovo i followed him even when he was playing um i think he played on a lot of shrapnel stuff and he was a drum virtuoso i know he did bad english and you know eventually journey and all this other stuff but he is one badass drummer i was so stoked when i heard that dean castronovo was going to be playing on this album yeah, definite badass. I remember I had a bootleg VHS tape live in Chile, 1994. No, it was 95, but it was before Osmosis came out. And Dean was on drums on that tour. Man, he was absolutely phenomenal. And I remember he was headbanging. He was like playing all the, the songs and drumming, but headbanging at the same time. Yeah. And I thought, man, you don't see drummers headbang very often. That's so damn cool, you know? It's amazing. I actually have the audio of that bootleg. I do not have the video. Yeah. But, um, I'm but, sure I've seen it somewhere. It's a great show. But that said, I don't believe him and Ozzy hit it off very well. Uh, in Ozzy's book, he refers to Dean Castronovo as Limo Man. Do you remember that story? I do. I know Ozzy did not like his live performances. He loved him in the studio, but uh, for some reason was not a big fan of his live show. You know, this is a little off topic, but I've always felt like Ozzy really, he prefers a slightly bland drummer. Well, right. I, I kind of agree. I think he likes a powerful drummer, but not one that overplays. I don't think he likes overplaying drummers. And Dean Castronovo, he's he's going to overplay. He's going to do his thing because he's Dean Castronovo, and that's kind of what he does, you know? You know, maybe it has to go back to Bill because Bill was such a different style because Bill was kind of a busy drummer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Ward, for people that, that don't know the drummer for Black Sabbath. And, and you know, maybe to him that, that kind of makes him feel like, oh, we're going to that Sabbath territory, you know, of – you know, having somebody that's more like Bill considers himself right a percussionist. He says it all the time. And maybe Ozzy for his solo stuff wants a little bit more of a four on the floor, straight beat. Could be, could be. And you know, Ozzy's known, let's be honest, the X Men. You know, it's all about the guitar players, Randy Rhodes, Tony Omi, Zach Wilde, Jakey Lee. I mean the list goes on and on. And I right. think I think Ozzy enjoys featuring the guitar players. And yeah. you know, I think with busy drums, he feels like it takes away from the guitar players a little bit. I think he just really enjoys featuring guitar players on his albums. So I think that's a little bit to do with it also. I do. I, I think it's a great point. You know, I think Ozzy definitely views the axe slinger, his sideman, his sidekick. You know, no matter who it's been in his career, it's definitely, you know, very apparent. You know, they're the one who's dragging around by the hair or lifting up and over his shoulders or, you know, definitely standing side by side with. No Absolutely. question about it. And one thing I don't want to leave out, keyboardist Rick Wakeman was also with Osmosis. Yeah. yeah, I just was reading about that. That's a great point. I love it. You know, obviously, uh, they, Ozzy used him on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And I was just reading a quote with Rick Wakeman was in love with the record, how melodic it was. And, you know, he was really honored to play on it. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, we can't overlook it because when the album was released, the big conversation was that Geezer Butler was actually back on this record. You know, a lot of fans thought he was on No Rest for the Wicked. Of course, he wasn't. That was indeed Bob Daisley, as most fans know. Yeah. Geezer yeah. was pictured in the liner notes and on the sleeve and stuff, but that and was Bob actually was Bob. Bob. Yeah. Right. But this was the true return of Geezer Butler. And, you know, Geezer co-wrote some songs on this album. So I think having Geezer back definitely was exciting for fans also. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, Geezer's trademarks all over this record. The bass playing is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish Geezer would have stayed. I think it kind of um, annoyed Ozzy a little bit that Geezer left after this uh, album. Um, you know, obviously Geezer went to go do his own solo project, but Ozzy was very adamant that he could have done both. And, you know, I think Ozzy really wanted him to stay. I, I think Ozzy liked this lineup, you know, especially Geezer and Zach playing together. Yeah. Well, and, and then when Randy Castillo comes back for tour, 
Right. I mean, you know, for me, in my mind, when I fathom the Aussie solo band, I see Randy Castillo on drums, and I, I think Aussie does also. Yeah, it's funny. I see Tommy Aldridge, but, right. you know, that's <laughs> definitely, um, you know, I, I, Randy as well. Randy Castillo, you know, I've seen so many times in concert. He's He was fantastic, you know. No question. No question. And, of course, you know, Geezer also, you know, he co-wrote a little bit on this album, which is, you know, kind of interesting when you really think about it. You know, an Aussie solo album, have, you know, co-written with, with Geezer for a few songs. He co-wrote Thunder Underground and My Jekyll yep. Doesn't Hide. So that was pretty cool. He did contribute to the album, you know. He did. And I, actually, both of those songs were written in the studio. So I'll, I'll get into it more, but they were definitely last minute additions to the record. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, having Zach back is always... Uh, critical in making it sound like a classic Aussie album. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I think Zach was flirting with Guns N' Roses at the time. They were kind of going back and forth on, on if he was going to join Guns N' Roses or not. I don't know if he was ever officially offered. I think he, I think it was discussed, but never actually put on the table for him. Right. So, And Zach has uh, five or six, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six writing credits on just the 10 songs that made the album, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he wrote, uh, you know, 60% of the record. Um, so definitely highly, highly contributed to the, to the creating process of the creative process of this record. Well, and he and wrote 60% of the record for an album that had many songs already written before he came back on board. That's I mean, the right. recording sessions and writing sessions for Osmosis went on for years. Yes. <laughs> We're going to go. You know. I'd love to expand on that at the end of, uh, after we talk about it, cause that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's so many, this is probably, I'm so glad you said it. Cause I think what people don't realize this is Ozzy's most prolific era i mean people don't realize that i mean it was four years between these two records right no more tears is 91 osmosis october of 95 right um but ozzy was so prolific during that time and nobody you know even though he's semi-retired of course because he was diagnosed with ms which also people don't realize which was a false diagnosis but um yeah he i I think it's a great point josh he he wrote a ton in this period yeah and you know initially you had the, the four songs for the demo which were, you know, what well, Voodoo Dancer, you had uh, See You on the Other Side, Perry Mason, Tomorrow. Is that correct? Uh, well, I think well, Voodoo Dancer is actually just a, a total different recording session with Jack Blades and Tom. Voodoo Shaw. Dancer was later, yeah, with, with the Sticks yeah. guys. That's right. I think the original four were Perry Mason, Old LA Tonight, See You on the Other Side, and Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And those were recorded with the original lineup of you know, Randy Castillo, Mike Inez, and Zach Wilde, right? Like, correct. And, you know, that's really Mike Inez's only recording with us. Yeah. Not playing one more kids. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I kind of overlook it myself that when you hear the See You on the Other Side demo, that is Mike Inez. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that was on that was later released on the Prince of Darkness box set, for those that don't know. The, the, the See You on the Other Side demo had a little bit of a saxophone moment, which threw a lot of fans off. I personally love it. I thought it was great. It is cool. I like the, you know, Osmosis version better, but the saxophone is cool. Well, you know, I remember reading years back that See You on the Other Side was one song that was written potentially to be added to the uh, Live and Loud CD. Correct. That's right. So, Just like he did with, with uh, Black Sabbath Reunion, right? They right. added those two songs. Yeah. That was definitely going to be the Live and Loud uh, scenario. Yeah, there was sure. initially going to release some bonus tracks on that, but then the, uh, the release ended up long enough that they didn't really have room for them, so then they just pushed them over. If I'm not mistaken, I think Mike Ines is also on the uh, – Living with the Enemy and the original demo of Amy. That would make sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because uh, they recorded six songs with Michael Wagner, and I believe um, that you know they were basically told you're going to write No More Tears Part Two. That's what we're going. That's correct. For. Yeah, and they, and they were six songs in, and 
all of a sudden the record label came out and said, hey, we're stopping this. We want a record that sounds like Soundgarden. Soundgarden. I, and to Michael Beanhorn, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's correct. Beanhorn. What do you call that? Beanhorn? I say, I say Beanhorn. I don't know. It's probably okay. Beanhorn. I'm from the South, yeah. man. I can pronounce it however I want to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, so that you know, that's how Michael Beinhorn got into it because um, you know they wanted to you know build on the success he had with Soundgarden. So, what do you think so, about Perry Mason right out of the gate as the single? Was it the right decision? For sure, I, I feel like Perry Mason is the logical next step to the song "No More Tears." You know. No More Tears is not a very heavy record. It's very much more rock-centric. Uh, but No More Tears, the song, incredibly heavy, right? And I think Perry Mason, that riff that Zach's playing, it's you know dropped to C-sharp tuning, just like No More Tears is. It's just, it's a brilliant single. And you know we'll talk about the bridge, too. I mean, Ozzy's melody is fantastic. And you know, the one thing that I really want to get into is his performance on Osmosis vocally, um, probably the best of his career from a range standpoint. Obviously, he hits his highest note in his career, and I just want you um, – just Michael Beinhorn did a wonderful job, even though it drove Ozzy a little crazy. It kept him out of the studio for six years, but, man, did he do a great job of getting the best out of Ozzy. Yeah, Ozzy's made no bones about it, that he did not enjoy the recording process of that album. But to be fair, anytime someone works Ozzy, he tends to struggle to enjoy the recording process of that album. And I, I think Michael Beanhorn absolutely pushed him as hard as he could uh, to, to pull something out of him. And in, in reality, I think he did. Like you said, I just want you. He hits the highest note of his career. But there's so many moments in that album where vocally Ozzy sounds like he did in 1975. <laughs> right. You know? I agree. It's amazing. I've always thought Sabotage was his best vocal performance in Black Sabbath, and I think Osmosis <laughs> is his best vocal performance solo. I totally am on the same page. Absolutely it is. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think Michael Beinhorn got everything out of Ozzy and then some. Um, but uh, yeah, Perry Mason, what a guitar solo by oh. Zach, too, right? Everything about that song. I remember when it first got released, you know, this is before the internet and things were so easy to just download or listen to. And, a friend of mine told me, he said, man, he said, the new Ozzy, they're playing it on the local radio station, WXLR. And I was like, no shit. So I called him and I said, hey, uh, are you guys playing the new Ozzy song? And they said, yes, sir, we are. I said, can I please request it? They said, we'll have it out for you. I waited by that recorder for like legit almost 90 minutes. That synthesizer hit. They didn't introduce it. They didn't say, hey, new Ozzy coming up. That synthesizer hit for Perry Mason. And I knew in an instant. Slap that record button on that cassette tape recorded it, burned that cassette tape up for the next month and a half until the release came out. Uh, absolutely loved Perry Mason. You know, one story about Perry Mason that I always found ironic, though, and interesting. Have you ever heard the story, and I didn't read this, I heard it in an audio interview somewhere, honestly not very long ago, where Zach Wilde admitted that when he first heard the demo for Perry Mason that he threw it out of his car window? No, i never heard that. Have me and you ever discussed that before, personally? No, I don't oh. think so. Zach knew... Very much what you said, he had written the music for No More Tears Part 2. He thought it had that feel to it. It was going to be the, the distinct follow-up for No More Tears, right? And he said when he received his copy of the demo and the lyrics that Ozzy had thrown on it was Perry Mason, that he thought it was corny and childish, right. and he didn't enjoy it. And he said he physically rolled down his window and flung the demo out of the window. Interesting. The yeah. For, it's odd for, for, <laughs> I'm not for one, it's odd for Zach to ever cross Ozzy and say anything 
negative. negative. He, he never, never does. So that was a weird right. statement. But I think he's telling the truth. I think at that point, Ozzy and Zach were going in a little bit of a different direction anyway. And right. I think he really probably may have been frustrated with what he saw as corny lyrics. But Zach did later say in the same interview that it panned, it worked out in the long term. It's a great song. He loves the song. Just that yeah. at that time and at that time frame, he wanted a serious nature song like No More Tears was. Yeah, and he succeeded. It's yeah. definitely right in that same uh, genre. No question about it. Yeah. But you also know, written by John Pardell. I want to make sure we throw that in there as well. So it's written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and John Pardell. And I, I'm just going to get this off my chest now. For all these assholes that claim Ozzy doesn't write, which drives me up the fucking wall, you know, anybody has ever written a song in their life and tries to write the vocal melody understands it's the most crucial and hardest thing to write for a song. And it, it boggles my mind that they don't understand that the melodies Ozzy writes is what makes Ozzy amazing. Yeah. You know, outside of, you know, of course the guitar players are great. You know, everything's great about it. His voice is fantastic. You know, it's different, which is why I think you and I love it. And nobody sounds like Ozzy, but the melodies he writes, and I'm going to harp on this, every podcast we ever do just is second to none. No one can touch the melodies. 100%. The melodies are why we're still discussing these songs today. That's right. You know, there's there, there's a reason that London Bridges Island, and all that has carried on for all these years because they got great melodies. They have great melodies. And the, the melody is easily, it's the, it's the hook of the song. It's the catch of the song. I mean, Absolutely. what song without a great melody has stood the test of time, you know? Yeah. And lyrics are great. Lyrics are important. And am I blown away and indebted by the, the, the great work Bob Daisley has done in his career, how important Bob Daisley was to his career, how important, you know, Lemmy was to his career. Mm -hmm. Geezer, you know, so many, yeah, so yeah. many, so many yeah. penmen. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it's crucial, but... Anybody will tell you, if you read Bob Daisley's book, if you read all of the interviews that Keezer writes about, you know, Ozzy is a stickler. He writes his melody, and you have to phonetically put that lyric to his melody exactly. And if you read between the lines, it's very clear that Geezer hates it. Hates it. He hates yeah. it. Because it's, it's, it, it has to be perfect, a perfect fit, and he, he despises it. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. So sorry to go off on my, my side rail. No, I, I agree totally. And not, and not to mention, Ozzy has written some lyrically also. It's not like sure. he doesn't write lyrics either. I mean, he does. Not only that, but just he always has the theme of the song. He yeah. knows what he wants the song to be about. He thinks so far ahead. You yeah. Know, I remember an interview. Randy Rhodes was still alive. And I read an interview. I, of course, read it later because I was only two and Randy passed away. But <laughs> Ozzy, he had this, you know, this he, he's forward thinking. He said, my next album will be called Bark of the Moon album after be called killer of giants he already knew these themes he wanted going forward on these albums actually it was backwards his third album was going to be called killer of giants and his fourth album was going to be called bark of the moon and I, for some reason it flopped. i but was yeah. actually i was actually thinking that when i said it and i knew you'd call me out on it but hold <laughs> sorry but yeah <laughs> it's a great point though he knew blizzard of oz dire of a madman killer of giants bark at the bark moon, of the moon. four records yeah. um but you know jake must have played that riff and it must have instinctively, you know, made him think Bark at the Moon, you know. But uh, we'll get into all that. Let's get back to Osmosis. So, Track two, yeah. uh, I Just Want You, written with Jim Valance. What do you think? Very interesting choice of songwriting partners, for one. For those that don't know, he's very well for known, known for writing for uh, Brian Adams. He's helped yep. co-write some of Brian's biggest hits. Uh, he's written for everyone, though. Uh, Aerosmith, uh, Kiss, you know, oh, so, so many different bands, yeah. 
Yeah. But I just want you to me was always a little bit of a departure for Ozzy. That song is has always felt a little different, but it's different in a totally good way. Uh, when I when I think Osmosis, I just want you to use it my favorite track on the album, but it's what the album sounds like, if that makes any sense at all. Every album, I have a song that represents that album for me. What that album sounds like. Not my favorite, just what the album sounds like. And mine for Osmosis is I Just Want You. Yeah, I, I, it's such a distinct sound, right? I don't think there's another song in, in Ozzy's catalog that sounds anything like it. So I think you're spot on, Josh. Yeah. Um, to me... It's got the best outro in Ozzy's career. I mean, I think vocally, it just gives me chills. And it's one of the rare songs on this record because lyrically, it's kind of all over the place. But, you know, I really relate to, you know, I don't care about anything. I just I just want you. You know what I mean? I, I always think of my wife on this song. Oh, sure. I thought you meant me for a minute. I was going to say, cool, man. <laughs> I want you also. <laughs> I want you too, Josh. Absolutely. But, you and, know, and your career are fantastic, you know, on this song. Yeah, and we can't let it pass either. What a completely awesome music video it had! It was oh, insane. It it's was so great. strange and creepy, but it was an awesome music video. Perry Mason had a cool video, also. It did absolutely. Joe Holmes makes an appearance, of course. Joe Holmes yeah. makes his first appearance, and yeah. that was a huge deal. There's always some confusion to the casual fan on who's on the damn album. You know what I mean? Like you see, yeah, Joe Holmes is on the Perry Mason video, and then you're like, oh, Joe Holmes is on this album. It's like, no, this one's Zach, but you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, for me, you know, one of my favorite being a huge Beatles fan, but I absolutely, you know, that whole I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just go to bed so high and wired. And then the whole I think I'll buy myself some plastic water. I guess I should have married Lennon's daughter spelled in the John Lennon way. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I still have no idea what that lyric means. But no idea. I love it. But I think Ozzy actually wrote that lyric. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm just guessing, but I feel like he probably uh, wrote that lyric. It was his contribution. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, no, I remember an interview with Jim Valance, and he said Ozzy and him just sat across from each other and were throwing out these crazy, you know, there are no unwinnable wars, there are no uncriminal crimes, you know, there are no, uh, you know, uh, unkillable thrills, just just all these cool things to each other, and, and that's kind of how the song was written. Well, according to Ozzy on the Live in Chile concert yeah, I mentioned earlier, he says he wrote it while taking a shit. Yeah, I love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> He probably came up with that. I just want you melody for the chorus. <laughs> I think you said I wrote it while taking a dump. Is that what yeah. you said? I believe, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, of, of course, track three is Ghost Behind My Eyes. One of my more underrated favorite Aussie songs really ever. I've, I've always really enjoyed this song. It's, again, kind of like I just want you. It's kind of different. Written by Mark Hudson. How do you say Is it Steve Dudas? Yeah, Steve Dudas. That's all I thought. Uh, so this is an early recording. Well, the recording on Osmosis wasn't early. But this was an early written song for the album. Yep, from the uh, Aussie Land sessions that he did with Mark Hudson. Yeah, um, and that, and of course, denial came from those sessions. But uh, yeah, I think goes by on my eyes. Definitely another amazing vocal take. Ozzy is way high. I believe the tuning is different. I think this one is tuned down uh, a little bit more with with the original one on Aussie Land which is an unreleased album for people listening is in standard tuning. So um, kind of interesting little taste. Yes. This one's definitely heavier. Zach plays on it. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And Aussie land, the Aussie land demos is something we'll definitely have an episode on later. Uh, for those that don't know, Aussie recorded, I think it's nine songs of uh, all new material that yep. had a Beatles theme to it. Kind of a Beatles ish, less heavy Aussie record. Uh, never got released with the exception of the tracks that we just mentioned, uh, ghost behind my eyes and, uh, denial were on osmosis, but, um, 
it's very much out there. Uh, if you want to check it out before we get into that conversation one day, it's all over YouTube or anywhere else like that. You can find those songs. It's uh, definitely interesting to listen to. It's very different. It's a very ha- This song is very haunting to me. You know, obviously ghosts behind my eyes, of course, but just the whole thing about it is just kind of a very haunting vibe. I, I, I do think it's a beautiful song. Yeah. I don't know how true it is, but I read one time that this song was about Sharon and that he wrote it, some of the lyrics or had the idea while he was in rehab. Have you ever heard that? I have, but I have a feeling, I don't know why, that this was really driven by um, by Mark Hudson. You know, I think because there's an album that I saw that, that Mark Hudson's on and he dedicated it to his wife and said, it goes behind my eyes. So there's a part of me that thinks that maybe this one was a little bit more Mark Hudson oh, driven. I don't right. know that for sure, of course, but it's always been my gut feeling. Now, that sounds pretty, you know, interesting. Well, it's like... Uh you know, uh, the whole back in black and all that with ACDC, you know, knocking me out with those American thighs and all that stuff that supposedly Bond had that written those lines yeah, in love letters in the past. But now they're trying to say that Brian wrote those with Angus. Yep. You know, uh, so, I, don't, I don't know what to believe on that. I mean, know. let me put my love into you. We could do a whole episode on this. Yeah. I, would, I would love to do other bands as well. But I mean, let me put, given a dog a bone, if that's not Bond Scott, I don't know what it is. I don't is. know <laughs> what it is either. <laughs> Um, so of course, yeah, but Ghost Eyes, great song. Yeah, great song. Uh, of course, we're going to say that about all of them. I mean, let's just be honest. Let, 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 we'll we'll tell you guys right up front. We love them all. We love all. We're just we're homers. We don't. We're unapologetically homers. We don't care. We love. You know, we just like some better than others. So if I say I prefer this song over that song, it doesn't mean I don't love the other. Same for right. Dan. We love them both, but you know, we just prefer this one. Uh, track four, Thunder Underground, you know, written by Ozzy, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Geezer Butler and Zach Wild. I wish they would have wrote more, to be honest. I mean, even though my rankings, when we rank it at the end here, is not going to show that. But, I mean, gosh, Ozzy, Zach, and Geezer writing together. It's just, to me, it's so cool. And it, I really wish they would have continued. That riff is just something else. And you informed me last week that like, I always assumed Zach came up with the riff. But you're telling me, and Geezer wrote the lyrics. That's how I, how I played it. And Ozzy wrote the melodies. But... Uh, you think Geezer came up with the actual riff, huh? I think Geezer wrote the riff. He was doing his GZR uh, album at that same yeah. time, roughly, and that has that has the same tone to it. It just has the same feel as that album does uh, musically. Yeah. Very heavy, same tuning, or that might be drop D instead of drop C sharp. Matter, matter of fact, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's got a great groove, slow, chuggy, very Sabbathy. Yeah, and the harmonics. I mean, it's a natural harmonic. If it was Zach writing it, it'd have been a pinch harmonic. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But definitely a cool song, and it does have a Sabbath feel to it. I mean, like, like if you didn't know who wrote these tracks, I think you would pick Thunder Underground to be one that Geezer co-wrote. Of course, yeah. And again, written in the studio, like we talked about, that was not, um, you know, ready to record or anything. They wrote that whole thing in the studio. They wanted to get together and write some fresh stuff since Geezer got in the band. So probably fair to say that Thunder Underground and My Jekyll Doesn't Hide were the last two songs written for the session. That's 100% correct. Yeah. That's the other one that was written in the session. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, yeah. it's got a, I mean, the bridge, Ozzy gets a little whiny for me on the bridge. You know, the, uh, you know, could it be that I found my mind or have I gone insane? You know, Roller Coaster of the Madness, which is a great line, by the way, Roller Coaster mm-hmm. of the Madness. But Ozzy does get a little whiny on this one for me. But it, it's got a great groove. Um, I can't go with you on the whiny thing. I, I think the bridge of this song really is what kind of pulls it together. But, you know, that's, that's what's great about these songs. Uh, what works for you doesn't work for me and vice versa. And, and for all of the fans, you know, everyone loves something different about all these songs. And that's what's great. Agreed. 
So obviously, I, you know, we'll talk about this as we discuss a lot of his other albums. But for me, and Thunder Underground is a great example of this. This is the last Ozzy album for me with the riff. You know, there's a lot of riffs on this record. I mean, first of all, Zach wrote 60%. But even I Just Want You has a great riff. You know, Denial has a riff. We'll get into all that. But this is just a last Zach heavy, but Ozzy riff riff record. And yeah. Thunder Underground is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. One song that doesn't have a riff is track five, and that's See You on the Other Side. has kind yeah. of a riff, but not really a riff. It's got, it's got a lick. It's clean pitch, so you know it's not going to have a riff. Of but, course. You know, no different than like a, a Goodbye to Romance or something. You know, of course, written with Ozzy, Lemmy Kilmister, and Zach Wilde again. Uh, so yeah. Lemmy worked with Ozzy a lot in this era. Uh, how do you feel about the work Lemmy did with Ozzy in the um, mid-'90s? I love it, man. I'm a diehard Motorhead fan, and Lemmy is, you know, Lemmy is God, as they say, right? But... Uh, God, the lyrics to see you on the other side are fantastic. For me, the best set of lyrics on the whole record. Yeah. It's uh, it's just mind-boggling. And I was just reading Ozzy would give him a tape, a tape of the melodies, tape of the music, and, and the topic he wanted to sing about. You know, like we, we all know the story uh, about my mom coming home. But what a, let me write five different sets of lyrics in like a half hour for Ozzy. Yeah. Um, so he was just so prolific. He was a, he was a great, great songwriter. And I, I love the Lemmy stuff. I think the story I, from... For Mom, I'm Coming Home is the way Ozzy tells it, which, of course, is probably embellished, but it's great, is that Ozzy took him the song and his ideas and the melodies and took him a book about the World War II. Yep. And, and Lemmy says, go down the road and come back, have you a few and come back in a few hours. And uh, Ozzy says he returns about two hours later, and Lemmy says, here's five sets of lyrics, and that book sucked. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's so it's good. Just, this is so awesome, you know. Yeah. But see, Another great outro, by the way, on, on this one. I love, love the outro. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think Ozzy just sounds fantastic. And I love when Ozzy's singing, you know, vamping like that at the end. It's just beautiful. Yeah, just such a beautiful song. And a song, that's the one that, you know, if you're with your girlfriend or your wife, you throw that one on, you know, because it's such a beautiful song. And uh, the lyrics are something we all can relate to. Anyone that's lost somebody, you know, and... Yep. Uh, and, you know, growing up in, in a Southern Christian home, uh, you know, the line where it says, I'm going to see you when it comes to glory. Like, I feel like that's something my dad would have written and sung in church. It's such an interesting line to me uh, because it has that, like a Southern, uh, you know, Pentecostal feel to it or something. But I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, great point. Absolutely. And it's coming from Lemmy and Ozzy, right? Yeah. I mean, two guys probably, you know, aren't, aren't all into that. But um yeah, it's a beautiful written song. Let me Absolutely. ask you, how much do you feel like Zach got to contribute in this era lyrically? Not much. I don't. I don't think so either. Because Zach is real big in all that. But I, I, I don't feel like Zach contributed much lyrically for all of Ozzy, his career with Ozzy. You know, I was just reading an article, too, where, I, where he talked about how, you know, him and Ozzy wrote um, time after time together. But Ozzy contributed all those lyrics. You know, and you think if they're just writing together, the two of them, because that's the writing credit on it that would be when Zach would maybe start putting in a little bit more lyrical ideas. I think that's what the guitar player did. He was relegated to writing the music. You know, yeah. Ozzy used, you know, obviously John Purdell and Dwayne Barron a lot. He used Lemmy, obviously Bob Daisley his whole career, but in the, in the later stuff, Kevin Cherko. I, I just don't think that, that Zach contributed a lot lyrically. Yeah. But again, yeah, see you on their side. Definitely one of the most powerful ballads of Ozzy's career, I think. Uh, both versions, the, the Osmosis version and the demo. The demo version was a little bit, a little bit slower in tempo. I remember noticing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely prefer the Osmosis version. There's no question. I prefer but the I Osmosis version, also. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think when you grow and you know a version as it is, then when you hear the new version, it's very rare you prefer the new version. 
Yeah, it's a great point. I, I get that when I do my own songwriting. I call it demoitis. You know, I write my demo and I hear it like that for three months, and then you go record it, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that change. Right? Yeah. But you know, in in the Prince of uh, Prince of Darkness box set, Ozzy did say that see you on the other side, the demo version. He much preferred the demo version of that song. So yeah, know. he preferred the demo version of Walk on Water too. It's interesting though, but I think Ozzy says that because Ozzy is the guy that enjoys he he. His preferences is what he enjoyed recording. Does that make sense? Yes. He had such a miserable time recording with Michael Beinhorn that, you know, of course he thinks the demo version, he probably had a great time with, you know, Michael Wagner and, and uh, you know, John Perdell and Dwayne Barron. I think that even bleeds down to his set list. I, I really do. I mean, if you look, he never plays songs off of Osmosis anymore. He only played two coming out of the gate with the album. He played uh, Perry Mason and I Just Want You. Perry yeah. Mason was dropped after a few months. Uh, I'll tell you what, the first time I saw him on this tour, he didn't play anything. It was nothing. I was so mad. But uh, the first stop in Phoenix, he didn't play either. Was that post-release or pre-release? It was uh, the week before the release, I believe. Oh. I, yeah, so it was post-release. It was October 30th, 1995. So the album had been out for a week. Man, you'd think you'd at least play you know, the lead single, Perry Mason. Yep, nothing. He played nothing. I, listen, it was a great show. It was, you know, Retirement Suck Store. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. He sounds fantastic on that tour. Um, but I was just crushed that he didn't play anything off of uh, Osmosis. Yeah, definitely. And when he came back, he, so he canceled, if you remember right. Um, then they did that live recording that they aired on all the radio stations across on um, the reschedule across the country. Um, which is a great, there's a ton of great bootlegs off that OzFest tour in 1996. It was recorded October 25th, 1996 in Phoenix. And uh, that he did play both I Just Want You and Perry Mason on that. Yeah, good memories. I remember th- they were, they released the DVD of that, or I guess at the time it was a VHS of that. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah had, it wasn't just Ozzy, it had everyone. I had like a Slayer was on that and all kinds oh, of yeah, other yeah, bands, yeah. right? That's right, That's right. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's the first Ozfest show actually before California. Before the he actual did. tour, yeah, it was yeah, just the one Ozfest. night. Yeah, he did Phoenix and LA only. I was blown Two away. Was All right, next up is tomorrow. Another very heavy kind of Perry Mason, uh, No More Tears epic. You know, this one I think is widely underrated as well. Um, great lyrics, just you know, great riff by Zach on this one. I, I think this one and. One, I think maybe maybe Perry Mason, the best guitar solo on the record. You know what I find funny? They said that initially we want you to write No More Tears Part 2. It's well known, like we talked about earlier. He gets with Michael Wagner. They record four or five songs, six songs. Then they come in, and we want a new sound to sound like Soundgarden. Right. To me, Tomorrow sounds more like Soundgarden than any song on the record, but yet it was originally one of the first few songs written with Michael Wagner in the studio years back. Right, and they haven't yeah. released a demo tomorrow, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, the, the rest of them have kind of seen the light of day somewhere, and, and this oh. one really has. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, me too. I wonder how different it is, you know. But yeah. uh, to me, it's one of the first Aussie performances where he's got that kind of, you know, gruffness to his voice in the verses. He does it in Perry Mason, too. I think this is the first album he really started using that, and he explores it a lot more as he has uh, aged. But, uh, God, I love his vocal take on oh, tomorrow. absolutely. That's and, yeah, and the lyrical content also, it's just, it seems like such a deep song when you listen to it. You know, it feels like a heavy song lyrically, like, man, this, there's a lot going on here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there seems to be, 
you know, I was really trying to figure it out. There's definitely seems to be maybe some anti-religion in there, but uh, you know, I think it's about living for today. You know, I'll see you tomorrow type of thing. Don't, don't worry about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Definitely a great song. One of the, like you said, one of the more underrated of the album, you know, Track seven we have is Denial, like we talked about earlier, uh, written with Ozzy Osbourne, and Mark Hudson, and Steve Dudaz. Dudaz? I think it's Dudaz, right? I struggle with this stuff. I'll go ahead and tell you. We mentioned the Ozzy Land stuff earlier. For me, I much prefer the Osmosis version of Denial. Uh, yeah, me too. Great song. Uh, the, Zach just makes all the difference in the world hearing Zach play this versus Mark Hudson on the demo. Um, I had a buddy growing up, and when Osmosis came out, he absolutely loved this song, man. I remember we would go to his house and hang out and like play board games and stuff. And they'd all smoke pot and whatever. All. And he would just jam this song on repeat. And of course I never had a problem with that, <laughs> you know, but it was just over just denial, man. Love this song. You know, to be perfectly honest, it's definitely special for me too. I, I love everything about it. Ozzy's voice is fantastic on it, but I love the outro, man. I don't know. Something about the outros on this record that are just fantastic, but you know, the it's kind of got a Beatles vibe to me. I don't know why I feel that. Maybe because it is from the Ozzyland sessions, but Absolutely. I feel like this one does have a little bit of a Beatles vibe. You know, that it's going to be all right. Just hold on tight line. God, it gets me every time. Yeah. I really like it. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. You're in Definitely denial. Yeah, you're in denial. Yeah. Great lyrics. Such too. a great, yeah, such a great song. Great melody. I think Ozzy's one of Ozzy's strongest melodies on this one. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, track eight yeah. is yeah. My Little Man, written with Steve Vai. <laughs> Infamous X-ray sessions. The infamous X-ray sessions, which I'm sure we'll have an episode about at some point. I would love to hear more from the X-ray sessions. Yeah, me too, of course. And you know, Ozzy felt that him and Steve Vai had wonderful chemistry. So for people that don't know, before Osmosis, again, before Ozzy Land, even, Ozzy formed a band called X-Ray with Steve Vai, Dean Castronova, and Bob Daisley. And they wrote, I think, five to six songs that have Never seen the light of day. Only My Little Man has on the osmosis, which Zach plays and not Steve Vai. But, um, you know, definitely one of those, uh, you know, holy grails for our diehard Aussie fans. What what else did he write with Steve Vai? Yeah. And Bob Daisley. To me, that's that's almost as exciting that Bob uh, Daisley. Is yeah, the session. return of Bob Daisley. That's a huge deal. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've got to be honest. I've told you this before. We've had we've had moments about this. Not my favorite Aussie song. Um, I know. I, I have always loved the guitar solo. It's got kind of that soaring guitar solo that I love. I'd like to know if that's actually Zach's or, or Steve's. I, I have a feeling it is. He's, it does not sound like his modes and style of playing. I think he's copying Steve by. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's Steve's solo. It just doesn't sound like a Zach Wilde solo. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the song as a whole, I mean, the melodies are fine. I mean, I like it. It's an Aussie song. Of course, I love it. I could tell you every lyric inside now, but it never stood up the rest of his catalog to me. Uh, I think he just has those moments where he wants to do an ode to his children and this and that. I love it, man. And I I'm think, you know, this is, this is Jack's song. And, uh, dedicated to his son, which I believe Ozzy wrote all of the lyrics on this, obviously, you know, written by Osborne and Steve. I, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine Bob Daisley wrote the lyrics because I'm sure he would have claimed it. There would be a lawsuit by now. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not ripping Bob. That he has every right to claim it if he wrote it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I tend to believe it's written by Ozzy and, and Steve Vai. Yeah, the fact that he hasn't filed a claim for this one, you know, makes you believe that he the truly was written by Ozzy and Steve Vai. Yeah, agreed. I, I love the lyrics. I mean, it reminds me of my son. 
of course, just like I'm sure it reminds uh, you of yours. So, you know, definitely it's just a beautiful song for me. You know, is it a sitar he's playing? He's definitely playing a different instrument on this song. I've wondered for 20 years exactly what instrument he's playing on the intro to that song. I don't know. It's definitely different. And I I should know this. I'm kind of bummed I don't. But um, yeah, Steve Steve Vai's definitely... He wrote it on a different instrument. I want to say a sitar, which obviously the Beatles played a lot of sitar That's as well. That's what I always thought also. Yeah. Yeah. So good good one. You know, it's definitely a mellower song on the record. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to talk about that at the end of this. So next up, the <laughs> second song he wrote with Geezer, My Jekyll Doesn't Hide, track nine. One quick comment real quick on, on My Little Man. I'm going to clarify. I was 15 years old when that song came out. So I guess the whole relaying it to... You know, my son and, and my children, I didn't have that yet. So I think a lot of that plays in with me also. I was, a, you know, a 15-year-old punk kid who I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bang my head. And, and you know what I mean? I just don't know that a song about someone's son was at that time something that touched me the way it does now, you know? I didn't have my kids yet. So it's kind of funny. Um, you know, my nephew is named John Michael, you know, which nice. is awesome, which is, of course, Ozzy's real name. Is that a coincidence? So uh, I don't know. You know, my brother's a big Aussie fan, but he's not obsessive like I am. But um, I think it is coincidence. But so I, I always associate this song with my nephew for, for that reason. He was born right around this right after, you know, this came out and then he was born not too far after. And, and for me, I always think of my nephew and it's very special for that reason. Awesome. So, so next up, doesn't hide another rager, heavy, heavy song. Um, this one I tend to believe is written by Zach instrumentally probably lyrically geezer so another ozzy geezer zach wilde writing credit i always really like this song love the riff that is a riff love the riff in this song uh i love the the first riff when he does the descending rhythm but then he ascends on the lead on the rhythm with the squeals but that was such an interesting touch that the way those offset each other but it still worked it's such a cool lick uh, it is, and there's squeals all over the place, which also makes me believe Zach probably wrote it. But um, agreed. Yeah, great, great uh, observation. I love that descending, ascending kind of play on each other. Uh, I actually think, um, for me, and I, it's probably because Geezer is on the track, but the vocal melody of the verses, the condemned by violence, you know, condemned to violence, uh, arrested by pain, very, very Sabbathy to me. That whole part. Very Sabbathy. Yeah. Yeah. Just a good uh, song, man. It has so much energy. I mean, really, that's what I want out of Aussie albums. I I prefer, I like heavy energy and then strong ballads. And yeah. My Jekyll Doesn't Hide, to me, is a song that would fit on almost any era Aussie record. Yeah, I agree. And I love the bridge, right? You know, Waiting to Die for the, for the very first time. The very time. first time, yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. It's such a great line. And All I love right. Aussie. And a great bass, too, on the song, right? I oh, really yeah. want to point out Geezer on that. That whole bass part in the middle is fantastic. Geezer's bass in general on the whole album sounds phenomenal. The rhythm section on this album, Osmosis is different from most Aussie records, and that the rhythm section really was a heavy rhythm section with a bassy tone. Uh, whereas yeah. we mentioned earlier that he tends to feature the guitar players, and Osmosis does also. But this this rhythm section with Dean Castronovo and Geezer Butler is is definitely a heavy rhythm section, and it's it's a boomy it's it's like the most Black Sabbath sounding album I thought he had put out uh, solo ever. Yeah, you know that, that was gonna be my point when we were done, but I'll get to it now, which is a lot of people rip on this album for being mellow, 
And there are a lot of ballads on it. You know, goes by my eyes, see you on the other side, my little man, old LA, old LA tonight. But uh, the counter, and this is why I think I love the album so much. The counterpoint to it is it's got some of his heaviest songs of his career. Perry Mason, Thunder Underground, My Jekyll Doesn't Hide, Tomorrow. I mean, those songs are, they are heavy, really, really heavy. You know, one beef I have, though, with the whole too many ballads, you have ballads. And when I hear a ballad, I think of like Here For You or, you know, Tonight. And those are like love songs, right? Right. You know, Ghost Behind My Eyes, it's a ballad, but it's also lyrically, the content is dark. Right. Even See You On The Other Side to me is not a ballad. That that song gets rocking, you know? Yeah. I mean, and they have, they're they're dark in, in, in tone. And to me... If it's dark in tone, then it's still heavy. Uh, you know, I don't understand. Just because it's, it's a slower tempo doesn't mean it's not dark. Tonight might be a pretty dark topic, too, but um, I get your point, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tonight was just one I threw off the top of my head, but, you know. Old L.A. Tonight finishes up the record, and, you know, written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and John Fordell again, same crew that, that wrote Perry Mason. Interesting, Dwayne Barron only wrote Tomorrow on this, so he was not heavily used as much for yeah. John Fordell songwriting credits uh old la tonight this is a ballad absolutely one of my all-time favorite ozzy ballads i think this vocally could be maybe the apex of his career he sounds phenomenal on it this song can bring me to tears when i listen to it i just love everything about it and uh the guitar playing the piano playing this this is what i want my ozzy ballads to sound like 100 percent. when he overlaps the vocals on the chorus you know, and you know, yeah. it can't be reproduced live, but it works so well in the studio to to overlap those vocals. And it's just so powerful, man. It's so good. Zach playing a little blues guitar. Yeah. You know, the little blues licks and blues bends, which is really something he doesn't, he, I mean, he, he doesn't really do that a whole lot. Right. Um, so it's kind of totally. different. Like you said, the piano is beautiful. I mean, it's just, just a beautiful song. I mean, like you said, if as far as Aussie ballads go, it's totally what you want. Uh, the melodies are just astronomical. You know, so catchy. So this is one of the first times in his career, and I'm sure it wasn't intentional. But um, you know, the who, the bridge. Who could you know? Who could who could imagine such a thing could happen to you? Very very reminiscent of the Little Dolls bridge, melody wise. Oh, good in call. Ireland. Yeah. So next time you're jamming these songs, playing back to back, but melody wise, they're very 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 similar. Um, which, which always, you know, of course, you know, any anything that is. Uh, like little, you know, diary, you know, is, is a good thing in my book. But um, yeah, Old LA Tonight, fantastic. But it's that, um, you know, you never imagined such a fate could follow you line is very, very similar in uh, Little Dolls to that. Yeah. But Old LA Tonight, fantastic. Oh, yeah, perfect. Just a great song. Awesome album closer. Yeah. You it know. really is. And, and, Absolutely. And a sentiment. It'll be all right. You know, everything's good. We're good to go. Yep. So also, Definitely. I wanted to mention the the bonus tracks because Osmosis Sessions has some really good bonus tracks. Of course, we have the whole world's falling down, written by Ozzy, uh, Tommy Shaw, and Jack Blades. Yep. Uh, Amy was Osborne and Wild. Uh, yep. Voodoo Dancer. Who wrote Voodoo Dancer? Help me out here, Dan. Ozzy, Jack Blades, and Tommy Shaw. Oh yeah, of course, the same yep. group again. Yep. And uh, and we can't forget yep. leaving with the enemy. So probably my least liked out of the uh, B sides. The uh, you know. For me, it just it, it definitely was written right after No More Tears. It just doesn't fit the flow of the record, the rest of the albums. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that. I mean, of the four demos, or the four B-sides, let me say, I'm sorry. Uh, Living With The Enemy is the most B-side sounding of the four. I think really any of the other three could have really been on the album and it, it wouldn't have changed anything. Well, 
one of them was recorded at with the album, and I'm going to go over all that when we're done. Yeah. Of, of those four, what song was your favorite? Uh, I, again, I'm a sucker for Amy. It's very special for me and my wife. We were going through something personal at the time it got released, and uh, I'll just... I'll never ever not love that song. Yeah. I'm a sucker for Voodoo Dancer too. Those are the two. Well, that's mine. I, I was gonna say my favorite's Voodoo Dancer. For some reason, that song continues to get better every time I hear it, and it's been you know twenty plus years now, and that song just continues to get better and better. And Ozzy's performance in that song, he, he you, you almost feel pain in his voice in that song. It's just so powerful. His his uh, delivery. Yeah, if you guys have not heard Voodoo Dancer. Check it out. It's a very different sounding song. Again, right with Tommy Shaw, Jack Blades. It's very melodic. And I like the underproduced Ozzy sometimes. You know, it's it's not overly produced. He's double tracking his voice like he always does. But man, you're right. You could feel the emotion in his, yeah. in his voice. Yeah, underproduced, yeah. like you said. It's, 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 it's definitely sounds, you know, a little more like a demo. Like you said, it's not... Uh, it's definitely not been through the ringer of the studio in production-wise. And that, that, that really helps it stand out. It... um. It's, I don't know, man. That song just always hits me. It hits me right. Yep, absolutely. And Amy is very similar to me to Old L.A. Tonight. They even do the overlapping vocal thing. So I wonder if that's why one of them got left off the record, personally, because they're, you know, they're very piano-based. And I always kind of put those songs together. You know, I think Old L.A. Tonight is the better song, and I'm glad they put it on the record. But um, I do think Amy is exceptional. And, you know, he wrote that for his daughter, Amy. Yeah. Of course. Of course. You know, another one I want to bring up real quick is... This is pre-auto-tune. So, you know, we talked about Ozzy sounding amazing on this record, and really, this is Ozzy. No auto-tune, no, you know, I'm sure Michael Beanhorn had his tricks in the, in the studio, but, you know, this is definitely predates auto-tune, and, and Ozzy just sounds amazing on this record. Absolutely. And another thing, I feel like this is the last Ozzy album that was kind of a band contribution. I mean, he definitely has songwriters on here. I mean, you see Tommy Shaw, and you see, you know, Mark in Hudson, band. and people. They're, they're there, yeah. but... For the most part, you also see a lot of Zach Wilde. You also see a lot of, uh, of you know Geezer Butler. I think going into Down to Earth with the next album was really when Ozzy turned into a true solo artist, and anyone could be writing on the album with him. Yeah, Whereas with this fact, one, the core is still there. I agree. And it was actually Michael Beinhorn who uh, was the one who urged him to write with outside songwriters. So it's interesting, and that kind of was his trajectory, like you said, for the rest of his career. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So here's the stuff you're only going to get on Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, people. This is it. This is the good stuff. This is the stuff you're you're going to walk away going, awesome. I'm a diehard Ozzy fan. I didn't know that. So, again, Osmosis started uh, February 28th, 1995 is when the recording session started. Ended November 19th, 95. Ozzy had to finish up See You on the Other Side vocally, and that was the last recording session for the record. So here's the cool thing. Ozzy wrote, co-wrote, you know, I don't want to get slayed online, uh, 30 songs for this record. Originally pulled 17 of those songs out to actually record for the sessions. So now if we were paying attention, he wrote two songs in the studio. So that means he recorded 19 songs in the Osmosis sessions. Okay? Here's the songs that were recorded, and a lot of these have not been released, and it's super exciting for me as a fan. To me, this is my holy grail. And super exciting for me as a fan. Let's go. Yeah. All right, so there's 10 on the record. I Just Want You, Perry Mason, Denial, Ghost Behind My Eyes, My Little Man, Thunder Underground, My Jekyll Doesn't Hide. Now, those two were written in the studio, so now he recorded – that's why they recorded 19. 
Uh, see you on the other side. Old LA tonight and tomorrow. Those are the 10 that are on the record. That leaves nine additional songs, right? Two of them have been released. One of them, the previously talked about, Whole World's Falling Down. That was recorded at the same sessions as all of these Osmosis sessions. The other one that was recorded during this time that was released is the amazing shout out to our buddy Ryan, Back on Earth, which was recorded and released, I mean, released on the Osman Cometh Best of compilation. Um, so Back on Earth, a brilliant song. You could just tell, recorded during the same sessions because Ozzy's vocals are insane totally had the same feel as the osmosis album and you know ended up being a massive hit in its own right i remember i was a senior in high school and that video would play on mtv we had in our uh, in the lunch area for seniors we had a television and we would watch mtv back on earth was always playing on that television when i went to lunch every day it's awesome it is awesome and a uh, quick interesting fact about that written by richard supa and taylor rhodes ozzy does not have a writing credit on back on Earth. very interesting uh, yeah for sure Okay, so that leaves us seven songs that were recorded in these sessions that have still not seen the light of the day, which is awesome. I really dove deep into this. So one of them is an unreleased version of Walk on Water. So there's an unreleased version of Walk on Water that was recorded during the Osmosis session. Is there any chance that the demo released on Prince of Darkness box set is that demo from the Osmosis sessions? Definitely not. That was recorded with Jim Valance, who co-wrote the song with Ozzy, at Jim Valance's studio. Okay. Definitely. Uh, so it's a great call, but it's definitely not not from that session. Awesome. So that is six songs that nobody's ever heard, which is really cool. Well, one of them we have. So, and I'll get to it. So one of the songs is called Falling Up. Uh, originally it was called Can't Get Up, but during the recording sessions they changed it to Fallen Up. So uh, that is tried. A few of these songs were almost released again in 1999, I think it was, right, under uh, an, another unreleased album. Another song, this is probably the one I want to hear the most, is called Rasputin. Rasputin spawned a whole rock opera that Ozzy wrote with Mark Hudson that has also not been released, which is a whole other thing. But that whole rock opera was spawned by this song, Rasputin, that was originally recorded on the Osmosis sessions. And let me jump in. Ozzy talks about this song a lot. So the fact that he's mentioned it so many times over the years leads you to believe it's probably pretty decent. I bet you it's great. And I think they left it off the album because he knew he wanted to do that more with it. I think so. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Another one is called Mother's Crying, which sounds like a ballad. I know nothing about these songs, but interested to I obviously want to hear this. Another one is called Because of You, which was going to be the name of the unreleased album in 1999. The, the original, the official title is I Did It All Because of You, which is the same song here. And uh, again, sounds like a ballad. I have a feeling this one's kind of Beatlesque, but really excited to hear that one. I have the same impression. Just the title alone, it sounds so Beatles-esque. It, it, it's it's got to have that feel to it. And really, most of Ozzy's ballads have a Beatles vibe anyway. Definitely, so, of yeah. course. He worships them. Yeah. Uh, Another one is called Mad World, which, again, interesting, right? Mad World. And then the last one is they did a version of Good to Be Bad, which was from the Ozzyland sessions. And I think it would be kind of cool to hear Zach playing on it. That would be absolutely excellent to hear Zach playing on it. Uh, Feels So Good to Be Bad is probably, it's my second favorite song on the Ozzyland demo, but uh, it definitely... I'm sure, like mine. Yeah, Dream for Tomorrow is just, if yeah. you've never heard that, YouTube that song. It's 
criminal that's never been officially released. It's I such a good song. He recorded that song somewhere in his career. Yeah. June for tomorrow was gorgeous. But, but yeah, uh, feels so good to be bad is definitely the most Aussie sounding song on the Aussie Land demos. If you'll recall, we said earlier it had a, the whole album had a Beatles feel to it. Feels so good to be bad was very. Uh, it had more of a, a natural Aussie tone than the rest of the album did. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, it, it is a great song. Definitely my second favorite as well. For your in agreement there for sure. Um, but how exciting is that, man? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven unreleased songs from this session. It's uh, super exciting to me. And let's just be clear. That's seven that we know of. You never True. know what it we don't know true. about. You know, what it does what does Mark Hudson have at his studio on a you know, on a on a drive somewhere on a computer? He could have twenty songs that they recorded. They've recorded together for years and years. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely. I mean there could be so much we don't know about. Yeah, and then of course, uh, I was just reading an article about Joe Holmes, who was a, a guitar player for Ozzy later in his career. He's got dats full of uh, he's got a dat full of material of him playing riffs to Ozzy and Ozzy humming melodies over his riffs. I would love to hear that. Oh. I know there's be lyrics or anything like that, but can you imagine? Oh, just to hear the melodies, man, that would be absolutely astonishing to listen to that. It'd be it'd be excellent. Yeah. Amazing. So, All right, so that's he's super exciting, man. I, I love this album. You know, again, every week, Josh and I, we do this when we only talk about albums. We're not going to do that every week. We'll have a lot of different uh, diverse topics, but we're going to rank our songs. And again, Josh said it beautifully earlier. It does not mean we don't love the song, even though, you know, one of the songs has got to be my least liked off the record. Yeah. Someone's got to win. All right. That's so, right. Uh, I'll go. First, uh, if we line up here, I know our, I know what your number 10 is and it's not my number. 10. I was going to say, since we know my number 10, I'll go first with that. My number okay. 10, I love it, but it's my little man. It just falls a little short for me, always has, and uh, I love it anyway, but definitely when it comes to the Osmosis record, that is the bottom of the list for me. I get it. Yep. You know, it's definitely, I love it. It's not mine. My number 10 is Thunder Underground, actually. So I know it's a great heavy song, but I kind of hinted at it a little earlier. To me, Ozzy's just a little bit whiny on that one. Well, it's hard for me to argue. I mean, Thunder Underground is my number nine, so uh, you know I can't uh, I can't argue too much. But I will say I I do like it a whole lot better than I do my little man. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my number nine is neck and neck with Thunder Underground. I love them both. You know, this is one of my all time favorite albums, as it is Josh's. Um, again, the last one written for the record, My Jekyll Doesn't Hide. You know, I love the stuff he wrote with Geezer. I wish they would have done more, but just this album is so amazing that these songs as well as as good as they are i think my jekyll doesn't hide is a, is a little bit better than thunder underground it just it isn't quite up to par with, with the rest of the record yeah i kind of agree i think my number eight is going to be my my jekyll doesn't hide also um like i said it's your prototypical aussie song uh, i definitely love the energy of it but osmosis has so many epically great aussie songs at the top of the list that it just doesn't make that kind of cut yeah I agree. Absolutely. Uh, my number eight is Ghost Behind My Eyes. I know it's probably a little higher than you have it, or lower, I should say. Um, but I love it. Again, I think this one, I might enjoy the demo a little bit more. It's close. Ozzy, I think the, I like the tuning better on the demo, but uh, it's really, really good. It's a great song, but definitely I think there's some stronger songs. On yeah, totally agree. So we're down to seven now. My number seven is probably going to be Denial. That's that's hard. <laughs> when you get to the top seven of Osmosis, I mean, you you totally can't go wrong. Uh, I do love Denial. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of energy. Just love the content. 
but you know, compared to some of the others, I, that's about where it ranks for me. That's fair. My number seven is My Little Man. I think I just, I mean, that and Ghost Behind My Eyes, and we'll talk about this all the time, just depends on the day, right? Some days I like Ghost Behind My Eyes better. Some days I like My Little Man better. Today, I like My Little Man better. I just think Ozzy's vocal performance is a little tighter for me on it. That's the only difference. Yeah. But it's we, great. we got to go ahead and warn listeners right now. Dan and I have done this together for years in conversation online. Our opinions change from day to day. So you can't, <laughs> you can't hold us to anything because if I say today my favorite song on Osmosis is this certain song, I can assure you that tomorrow I'll do a battle and I'll place the other song over it. It's just the way it's just the way it, those of you that listen to Ozzy like we do or your favorite band, whoever it may be, you understand what we're talking about. They're all your children. You love them all. Just some days you like one more than you do the other, you know? Yeah, for sure. Great point. So that brings us down to number six. Yeah, now we're getting to the meat and the potatoes. Yeah, this is, uh, at this point, they're all so strong, it, it truly doesn't matter. I'm going to go Ghost Behind My Eyes right here. Okay. The song is it's so creepy. I've, I've always really enjoyed this song. Uh, I, I just like the content. I've always played it and sung it a lot on guitar and stuff around the house and things like that. It's just, just a fun song for me. It is a great song. Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. Uh, great chorus, right? Number six is Tomorrow. I mean, it, that's just going to show you how amazing the top of this album is. You know, I think Tomorrow is one of the most underrated secret Aussie songs that a lot of people haven't heard, and it ranks sixth here for me. But yeah. it's a great song. Well, for me, it's five. So I'm, I'm right there with you about the same place. It was, it was we're on a lot of these. Me and this guy share a brain, guys. We don't do this for no reason. Like, we totally, we, we're in sync all the time. But yeah, Tomorrow is right there. Again, though, like you said, everything you said is correct. It's such a great song. So powerful, but yeah, it's the fifth best on this record for me, and that's definitely a, a statement for what a solid you know effort this is all together. But for sure, so my five is denial, and that's my ghost behind my eyes. I think for you, which is just for some reason, denial is just one of those songs that I just can't get enough of. I love it. You know, I I could be sad, I listen to denial. I could be in a great mood, I listen to denial. I just there's just something about denial that I love. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. Same songwriters, by the way. <laughs> Between yeah. Ghost Behind My Eyes and Denial, right? Yeah. But, uh, same session, yeah. same era, yeah. Yeah, I lean towards Denial, which is funny. Yeah. So we have the exact same top four, I could already tell you. Mm -hmm. I'm interested where we go. We do. So my number four would be, It's very. there's two that's very close for me, and I'm going to go ahead and go today. My number four is Old LA Tonight. Tomorrow, it could very well be uh, See You on the Other Side. They kind of interchange for me a lot. Love this song, like we said earlier. It's the most beautiful melody. Uh, there's really nothing not to like about it. But at the right. same time, I don't know that it excels to that super status of the top. So, uh, yeah, number four. No shame in being number four on this list, so it doesn't matter. It's, so my number four is See You on the Other Side. I love it. You know, again, here's the truth, guys. The top four songs on this album have the potential to be in my top 15 Aussie songs of all time. I was going to say top 20, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, so that's how much I love the top four of this, yeah. this record. It's amazing. And so being you see you on the other side four is definitely not a slight. It's definitely yeah. top 20. I'll go with you. Top 20 all time and Aussie that, song. And that puts me at see you on the other side at three. So yeah, right. for, for all the things we just said, it's such a great song. And you know, um, Sam Kennison, right? That song was written for Sam Kennison when he passed away. Right. Uh, you know, the famous comedian from the 80s that was all over the Hollywood strip back in the day, and he and Ozzy were close. Yeah. And uh, when, when Sam passed away, See You on the Other Side was written uh, for Sam Kennison, something we didn't mention earlier that we probably should have brought up. 
Yeah, good point. Thanks for remembering. My number three, of course, is Old LA Tonight. So this one for me, and I'm not going to tell you my number two, this one and my number two flip back and forth. But I love Old LA Tonight. Matter of fact, I think it's my third, I think I said earlier, my third favorite Aussie ballad of his career. I fucking love it. So number two, we're kind of going in an order now, it seems like. It's, I just want you. I uh, love this song. Like I said earlier, it's different. It, I thought it brought something new to the table for Ozzy. And really, it fit his image so perfectly at the time, uh, that era of Ozzy. Like I said, when I think 1995, I think I just want you. It's such a great song. Like I said, it was a departure from what we knew him for. But it did have that new, yeah. you know, when, I, when we said that the record label wanted a, a Soundgarden sounding song or album, I think I just won't use exactly what they had in mind. I agree. Absolutely. And I, it's also my number two. I think I Just Want You is fantastic front to back. It's got cool lyrics, unlike anything I've really ever heard with just the rhyming pattern and everything. It's so cool. Ozzy's melody's great. It's just, I love the guitar solo too. I think it's got like a Leslie effect on his guitar mm-hmm. or something, but it's not fantastic but like great guitars like you said earlier the outro ozzy's vocals on the outro he is just so powerful right there man it's, it's, it's the only reason sexy. i put it over uh, old la tonight is the outro the That's outro it. yeah <laughs> just the repetitive outro is all you need just on repeat it's just so good that leaves at number one for both of us perry mason yep how can it not be yeah, I mean, Perry Mason's, your, again, like I said earlier, prototypical Aussie album song. I said that about My Jiggle Doesn't Have It. Perry Mason is definitely that also. Let me ask you, in your opinion, what's this song about? You know, I've been racking my brain about it all day. I've read everything from drug abuse to, you know, I, I think it's kind of about his reputation. You know, like just having that nasty reputation for all of his career and, you know, who's, who, you know, Who's he going to call on the case, Perry Mason? I, I really don't know, man. It's, it's a good, it's a tough topic. I remember reading several years back that it was about trying to find the next high. Yeah, so, see, I you know, heard about that. Yeah, yeah I heard that. you know, you, you're on drugs and you're trying to you're trying to find some whatever. You know, who can we get on the case? We're going, we need Perry Mason to go find the next high, and that you know, you know, they say. Oh, like, I, took I took it as we need Perry Mason to help me get kick the habit. I take it the other way, like you know, they say if you do cocaine or certain drugs that you can never achieve the high you received the first time or two. Right. And that I always took this song as we need Perry Mason to find that high. We need to find, how can we find that high again? Interesting. I might be thinking way too much into it. You know, draw a line and draw me an arrow. And I always think, you know, you're drawing a line, drawing a line of Coke, you know, stuff like that. I don't know, man. It's just so weird. I mean, geezer plays the the Perry Mason theme a little bit at the beginning, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. But, you know, it's, we're probably totally overthinking. It probably was truly yeah. the fact that Ozzy was sitting at the house watching Perry Mason and thought, yeah. hmm, that'd be an interesting topic for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You know, and, it, and that's all it really is. And then it, it never really was meant to be anything anyway. So, Well, thank you. I, I had a blast. I mean, osmosis, as you can tell, is very special to Josh and I. Um, you know, eventually someday we're going to do our Aussie ranking albums where we'll rank all his albums. We just didn't want to start with that. You know, we're going to do a lot of fun things. We're going to, we will dive into every one of his albums, Sabbath and uh, solo. We're also going to talk about B sides songs that he's done with different artists. Uh, so there's so much to explore, we're but gonna, we really get into his other uh, members of his band, just everything about him musically. We're not going to delve into the Osbournes. That's what I was going to say. Uh, other members of the band. I mean, there will be episodes. It's about Zach Wilde. Or if if Zach Wilde puts out a new Black Label Society album, we may do a full episode on on that new album. Uh, it's going to be all things Aussie, all things Aussie related, and uh, I can't wait to get into it. We're going to have special guests sometimes, 
you know, I've, I've interviewed Gus G in the past and people like that. So hopefully we can have people like that onto the show here shortly and they can discuss the stories of working with the man himself with us. Yeah, for sure. And make sure we want this to be interactive. If you want to hear about a topic, you know, we're going to create a Facebook page. Let us know. If you want to, you know, on this episode, let us see your rankings. I'm curious to see these diehard Aussie fans, you know, because we know people love osmosis. I don't give a fuck what other people say. The Aussie fans love it. And we want to see your ranking. What's your favorite song? What's your least like song? Osmosis is known to have mixed reviews, but I don't think it has mixed reviews among fans. Agreed. Absolutely. And I want to know, is your mind blown that there's, you know, nine, uh, seven unreleased tracks from these sessions. I know that's, that's what I'll always go back to because that's what us Aussie fans are always searching for. More, more, more. Remember to tune in, tell your friends about us. You know, Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast. We're going to try and do this every week. And be sure and tune yep. in next time. And thank you to Bod's Mayhem Hour and John Bod's Martin. Mayhem Hour is our sponsor. He takes care of us, and we definitely couldn't be doing this without him. We want to give them a shout. Give Bod's Mayhem Hour a follow on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, whatever you, you listen on, your podcast. Follow them on everything also. He interviews every. He's had Zach on the show several times. I mean, he, this guy's knocking it out of the park also. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. Talk to you next week. Thanks.